Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck back for another podcast here on The Knockdown. Thank you for tuning in. I do appreciate it. I'm excited that our guest this time around is Sandra Gall. Surely you know her body of work on the LPGA Tour, um, a couple of successful Solheim Cup appearances, Victory at the Kia Classic a few years ago. This was preceded by an All-American career at Florida, a native of Germany. Um, you might also be aware that, that Sandra has been voted the hottest player on the LPGA Tour and, and various internet polls. I'm more interested in her beautiful mind. Um, <laughs> just looking at me funny. But um, anyway, Sandra is quite an uh, interesting character with many varied interests. We'll get into all of them here. Sandra, thank you for being a part of this. Thanks for having me. So I have a theory that you're the most well-rounded professional golfer on any tour. <laughs> let's just let's just run through this wow. here. Wow, well, let me just let that soak in. <laughs> okay, yeah, except... Thanks. Yeah. So, so how many languages do you speak? Uh, three. Uh, German, Czech, English. And how many musical instruments do you play? You know what? I play uh, violin, so I played that for like 10 years. And then I dabble around the piano. I have one in my living room, but I don't really like use it very much. Except for recently, I did a little bit when I was writing my song. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're we're gonna get to that. Don't worry, we're getting to. But I don't. Well, I have to think about whether I really want to share it. <laughs> I, I went on your website and I listened to your old song, oh, yeah. Dice. Uh huh. It's quite, you know, little house catchy. music. Catchy, yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. What is that genre called? Is it Euro trash? No, Euro pop. <laughs> Did you say trash? <laughs> I did. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks. Um, all right. So let's see what else. Mm-hmm. On a scale of one to ten, yeah. one being a total klutz and ten being a total badass, how good of a wakeboarder are you? Oh, um, I'm going to give myself a wakeboarding or wake surfing? Oh, yes. Difference. Difference. Well, you do so both, right? I did both, right? yeah. But I haven't done wake boarding because i don't want to get injured so yeah. i'm probably a better wakeboarder than i am a wake surfer but let's just you... give myself like a three or four no way i've yeah. seen pictures of you yeah like... well yeah i'm up but i can't do all the crazy tricks that's that's at least a six and a half oh well, thanks if you're crossing the wake that's legit okay okay cool all right um let's see in your lifetime how many paintings have have you done oh my goodness i can't even count that many okay that supports my point yeah because i started when i was like three so there's like billions Sort of. <laughs> Let's do the math on that. One a year. Okay, so you're not great at math. That's your only flaw. Yeah, yeah. I actually like math. I liked math in school, but yeah. Weren't you an academic All-American? Yes. Mm-hmm. Twice? Um, I'll probably... I think every year, honestly. <laughs> Is that bad? I mean, when you ask me, I gotta tell you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's see. What, what else are we forgetting here? You're a woman of so many talents. Um... What else? So painting, a little bit of singing. Um, I like to dance, but just like, you know, in my room. <laughs> See, like, that I'll would put be, a little single party on. That would be a great video companion to this, you know, podcast. Yeah, podcast. that would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, except it's a podcast. Well, we, you know, we, when we post it, we can, we can always link to a video of you dancing in yeah, your room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, yeah, I might, you know. You never know. Maybe, maybe you'll get that little okay. video, yeah. All right. So you're clearly too smart to be a professional golfer. What are you doing uh, uh. wasting your time on the LPGA Tour? Right. That's what my grandfather always said. He was like, why are you an athlete? You know, in his head back then, it's like you should pursue something more um, intellectual. Um, but then he kind of came in terms with it. But um, yeah, it's something I think it, it hurts you and it helps you in a way. Um so obviously as a golfer you're trying not to think very much that's when you hit your best shots um so then I need to get there using my brain and figuring out a way how to get there and that's how I came to read a lot of books and that's when my spiritual sides come comes in so trying to figure out myself and figure out how to quiet the mind um but I think even if I wasn't a golfer I wouldn't go like an academic route that's not my thing you know, I'm very creative. That's probably my favorite part. Yeah. Yeah. So you recently did a five-day silent meditation course. Mm-hmm. It was like six, seven days. Yeah. Six, seven days. Mm-hmm. What inspired that? That is a good question. Um, so 
I've been kind of reading uh, these kind of books on, you know, self-realization for about maybe seven years. And I've recently, I didn't have a great year last year, and I felt like I'm living on the surface. Like I'm not really being here right now and not being really happy. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a happy person, but not like really happy. It could be things that make me happy or... But they're so elusive, you know, it comes and goes. So I trying to figure out what it, what is this really about? And I felt like I needed to just take some time off and unplug and really go back to the moment, like nothing else um, distracting me. And I kind of put it out in the universe that I wanted to find a place because uh, I've been looking for a place like that for a while. Um, it's up in Spirit Rock by San Francisco. And uh, it's a Buddhist meditation center. And then a um, couple people just randomly, different people said, hey, this is really good. Um, so I trusted them and I tried it and I loved it. When you say put it out to the universe, does that mean on social media? or No, like just in my head. I'm like, I'm just going to look for signs of, um, you know, a good, good meditation center or a good place to do a retreat. And so then all of a sudden you hear things and you note it. So were those things always floating around you and you never tuned into them or did your Probably. energy attract them? Both. <laughs> you know how it is. Yeah, like if you if you have, um, let's say you buy a yellow car, then you'll see yellow cars everywhere, right? <laughs> so it's the same thing. If you want to go somewhere and you're searching for something, just put it out there and then you'll get little signs of clues where you should go. Sounds so easy. Yeah. So when you go to check in at this place... Do they speak to you then, or from the moment you get out of the car, it's just totally oh no quiet. no no no. It's like you you have two teachers, and then there's probably forty people in that retreat. Yeah, okay. and um, so you get an introduction of how it's all going to work, and um, it's quite quite uh, structured. So you uh, you have a little schedule of when you wake up and. You do meditation, then you have breakfast, and then you do a little working meditation. So I was washing dishes. Um, so you can meditate while you're doing dishes? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just, it doesn't matter what you do. Anything can be a meditation as long as you put a single-minded focus on it. Um, so when you're washing the dishes, you can't be thinking about anything else. You're only focused on the dishes. Well, they don't tell you to not think. That's the thing. You know, everyone has thoughts coming up. It's just how you react to them. So you, you try to go back to the moment once you see your thinking. But you do it with kindness. So you don't beat yourself up over, oh, there I am thinking again. You just kind of notice it and go, oh, cool, I noticed it. Yay, you know, this is <laughs> progress. And then I go back to what I'm doing. Okay, so after your, your work meditation. Yep, then um, it's sitting meditation and walking meditation alternating. Um, and it's always like 45 minutes long. And it's beautiful California countryside up there. So walking outside is really, really pretty. And... Um, and they teach you, you know, little, little ways how to, what to pay attention to when you meditate. So you can pay attention to your breath or whatever you're feeling or the surroundings or a sound. It could be anything that pulls your awareness, but as long as it's in the present. And then, um, yeah, you have lunch. You do the same thing in the afternoon and then you have dinner and go to bed. And there's no phones, no books, no, you know, nothing that will kind of get your mind active again. And can, how much can you interact with the other people around you? you? You're not interacting. You're actually like even not trying to make eye contact because you would invade kind of their... You're giving them the gift of peace. I see. So um, you respect that. And then there's a couple times where you have a sit down with a teacher and you have a little interview and like just a little question answer, whatever's going on, what you have trouble with. And so it's not like you're not speaking the whole time. And actually every night there's like a Dharma talk. So the teacher will talk for like an hour about different topics that all go around this. Do you remember the TV show Lost? No. Oh, no. Oh, it was a great sci-fi show. It was the, okay. And it was the Dharma Corporation. They were kind of like the bad guys. So oh, really? There was a lot of little nuggets that were dropped into the show like that. Okay. So interesting. Yeah. So at what point, I'm, I'm sure in the beginning it's very awkward and you're kind of fighting it, mm -hmm. but how long did it take for you to settle into this new reality? Yeah, it took probably two, three days to really be comfortable. In the beginning, you're, you know, you start meditating, you're falling asleep. And it happened to everyone. Everyone's like, you know, their heads are bobbing down. And um, after a while, you, you stop, that stops and you have plenty of energy. And then you're just really kind of aware and awake um, and two, three days till it gets comfortable. And then you like really go a little bit deeper every day. And um, it's actually, it's, you always feel a little resistance when you sit down. You're like, oh, I got, you know, 45 minutes ahead of me. And then 
you just notice it and then it goes away and it actually actually this really really nice feeling comes up um it's just so peaceful uh, and you're in your body you're not in your mind it's just really rare for us i think so then you have four or five more days where you're just are you blissed out because you've reached a whole different level of yeah, existence i was blissed out seriously and the, and it's crazy because you notice things around you that you normally don't notice because you're so clouded with thoughts so all of a sudden when you're walking in nature you see things that you've never seen before it's really hard to describe but you're just so present everything becomes more colorful more um you know you hear more you smell more you just everything is all awake it's crazy that sounds that sounds fantastic yeah yeah so what did you learn about yourself during that time i learned to be kind to myself um because before that i would i would have a lot of parts of me that i didn't like the way they reacted to things it's like why am i why am i thinking you know this way about myself or this way about someone else and now i learned to not take my thoughts so serious so when I have that thought, it's like, oh, it's just my mind, you know, coming up with this crazy idea. It's, it's not important. So I go back to the moment and I'm kind about it. So it changed everything. You know, it's just a whole different level of self-love. And uh, um, I've just, I don't know, my whole reality changed, really. <clears throat> it must have been jarring to go back to the real world after that. Yeah, it was. It was not easy to adapt going back. Um just because all of a sudden it's, everything's so loud and everyone's talking so much and it took a while to kind of go back. Um, and the first thing that you notice is you have so much energy. You come out of it and you barely sleep. There's so much, I guess you burn so much energy thinking and when you don't, it's just this surplus of energy. Um, <laughs> That's my problem. I should yeah. stop thinking. <laughs> yeah, I know. Tell me about it. So then you kind of go back to normal life and, you know, obviously your mind gets a little bit busier, but you always notice when you come out of your center so it's easier to come back to it yeah and as you've you know the tour season starts up and you're back in the competitive arena have you felt a difference between the ropes yes i have um because i think my um my perspective on things is different so um, things that would that would make me upset or frustrated they're relative they're not so what's the word finite or is it finite finite or sure, whatever finite, yeah, yeah 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 it's not so absolute you know it's like everything is a little bit relative and i'm i'm more playing for the joy of it and maybe giving something to others rather than just trying to put up a score which i, I was never like that i was never really about just winning or making money or that's not why i play but um this became more apparent, you know, being more in the moment and just maybe just soaking it in a little bit, being more grateful for it, not stressing so much. Um, it sounds like an ideal way to play golf, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not it's not like I'm not stressing now, but I am not so worried about stressing. You know, when it comes <laughs> up, I'm like, oh, there it is. But I'm not like, oh, what's going to happen today? I'm like, okay, there it is. Let's go play. So... I mean, you went, you go down to Australia and yeah. you're in a playoff that you mm -hmm. easily could have won. Um, I mean, is there a cause and effect between taking that time for yourself and, and right away playing great golf? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because as we all know, when you have a quiet mind, you just play better because you're more athletic, you're more creative, you're, you know, you're more loose and, um, yeah, the more I, I think I'm taking time every day to meditate, so I have that little bit of space from from my thinking, and I think it's really helped me just perform better. Yeah. So you're thrown into you know a very stressful, high pressure golf situation right mm. away. I mean, as you're walking down the fairway, are you thinking back to your little meditation techniques, or are you doing things mm. differently to to get to that quiet place? Yeah. So when I'm walking down the fairway under that pressure, I was trying to really walk and just feel my feet and walking. Like that's what I did for a week there. So anytime I'm walking, I'm trying to just go back to, you know, you're always trying to get in your body and feeling instead of thinking about the next shot. Yeah. What am I going to do there? What am I going to do there? You know, what, what did I do on the last one? So um, it always brings me back to the moment. And um, what else? Uh, I think that's the most important thing, just being able to always come back. That's interesting because 
I've been feeling like I need to get away from my phone, from social media, yeah. all of that. Like my my brain is fuzzy at the end of the day sometimes because yeah, you're just going constantly. The stimulation, the, the interaction, all of it. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of trying to fill the gaps sometimes with the phone. Yeah. So how have you how has how has that changed for you now? Um. Yeah, I'll totally because I will. I I know I get I'm quite a sensitive person, so I get kind of thrown out of my center uh, with lots of, you know, when there's lots of things going around me or lots of people. So now if I notice that, then I'll just go back. Yeah, which is my life, I know. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So it's good because it's like, it's a great challenge for me. So then I just kind of stop and stop and uh, and look for the good in the moment and just take a break and just stop and take a couple breaths and, you know, enjoy whatever is in front of me instead of rushing to the next moment and rushing to the next moment. What That's what it feels like sometimes when you're, when you have a bunch of things that you got to do during, you know, pre-tournament, you go from interview to interview or signing something to practice round to senior coach to going to work out to senior physio. And it's like constantly you're going somewhere instead of just, why am I living this life? You know, I'm here to enjoy myself, not to constantly, you know, be reaching for something ahead of you. So um, learning to stop is really... I don't know, just, yeah, I'm more chill. That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole interpersonal aspect of tournament golf that I think people underrate. And when, like, I was down at the WGC in Mexico City, and that was a crazy environment. The fans were so excited and loud, mm-hmm. and not all of them had, had had much golf experience. So there was just a different intensity. And when you, people who just watch golf on TV and they don't ever go to live events, I mean, it is the fans are right on top of you mm. as a player. Mm-hmm. And there's just a little rope separating mm-hmm. everyone. And that walk from green to tea sometimes, you know, it's like you're going through a mosh pit. And mm-hmm. when people try to understand why, oh, this guy hits it so good on the range and, he, you know, he always he plays great in the practice rounds, mm-hmm. but he can't or she can't do it in a tournament. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, some of it is just there's a difference between having technical proficiency and being able to perform in front of those crowds and that right. hectic environment. And yes. Is that something that you've struggled with? Um, no, I've always loved crowds. It's more the hectic environment that you mentioned that can get you sometimes. If you, you need to almost like slow things down, especially during tournament play or before, because like I said, you just kind of rushed, you, you can get rushed quickly trying to get from A to B to C. So, the people per se, I kind of, I like the crowds. I feel like they're always um, cheering you on and they're there, you know, they're, they're not there to criticize you. They're, you know, it's good energy you get off them, I feel like. That's my job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> good thing you're not writing about me, you're just talking to me. Yes, that's right. It's totally different. It's the new me. It's all peace and love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found my center. Yeah, exactly. Totally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, definitely, like you said, it's different range to... On a quiet day, you're just practicing, you might be striping in, and then you get to a tournament situation, and it's different feel, different vibe, absolutely. Um, but you kind of got to be in your own little world. Um, you know, Solheim Cup is always is always cool. There's so many crowds. It almost forces you, or it forces me, to go, f- to go more into myself and more into my bubble and just really focusing on that shot. And it almost makes me play better, I think, because, you know, you want to perform well. For the crowds, too. Yeah, I mean, I saw that in Germany, right? When that, that's 2015 Solheim Cup. That's mm-hmm. playing on home soil, um, all that went into that week. And I mean, you played great. Mm-hmm. So so much fun. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. What are what are your some, some memories from that week for you? Oh, my goodness. It was so amazing, honestly. Even, even though we didn't win, it was just such an amazing week. Um, but my biggest memories are... Ah, uh, just the crowds going crazy, um, and me making making putts when it, when I really needed to, making lots of putts and hitting. I hit this one seven wood to tie the match. It was really cold. We had to go back Sunday morning, yeah, and uh, yeah, and hit that little fade to a back right pin to about three feet, and uh, I they gave me the putt or two and a half, whatever it was. Um, and they gave me the putt to Ooh. make birdie and you know get that one. We were one down and we won that whole so that was that was amazing um and then i remember this one part too there was this there's this one part one uh spot where there's huge grandstands lots of people i think it was like three or four holes together and uh i had this maybe 12 footer and 
I there was someone was moving and the crowds were really loud and cheering because I knew I had to make this putt to win the hole. Yeah. And I put my hand up because I wanted them to I wanted one person to stop. And I put the hand up and everyone went quiet. It's like this, you know, thousands, thousands of people and I went whew. I'm like, like, oh, whoa, <laughs> this was cool. You're like the emperor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I made the putt and then everyone went crazy. You know, these little moments are just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was a, that was a tight Solheim Cup. And mm. in the team play, you were, you were 2-0-1. You go into singles. You get Paula, who's obviously mm-hmm. a tough player and was trying to justify her inclusion in the, in the match. Yeah. And that, that, was a, that was a tough match. What, is, what does it feel like when... You know, the whole country, the whole, mm-hmm. all your teammates, all that are pulling for you and you just can't get it done. You know what? I'm almost taking that match out of that week. Yeah. Um, just because of what happened Sunday morning. It was just the weirdest thing. It, it wasn't, it wasn't my game the way I played Sunday afternoon. I was really, really frustrated and um, I didn't like the way things went down. And I, I think the whole... Um, the whole team atmosphere went from a super high to a super low. Yeah. You know, we were just discussing back and forth, you know, is this right? Is that wrong? What's wrong? You know, what should we have done? What should we do? And it just created this whole different, yeah, energy. And so we went from momentum to complete, well, nothing. We're talking, of course, about Suzanne Pedersen telling Allison Lee to, you know, she picked her ball up thinking the 18-incher was good. She made her putt it again, all that, yeah. Just... Mm-hmm. Um, as, as with the little the luxury of hindsight, how, what are your feelings on 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 Suzanne's decision and how that all played out? That's a really touchy topic, Ellen. <laughs> well, we can't just talk about walking in the woods in our bare feet. I, know, I mean, come I know, on. I know. Um, so, my opinion is I'm all about sportsmanship, and I felt like we would have been better off just giving them the hole. Um, I mean, I love Suzanne and she's my teammate and, you know, I play for Europe and, I, oh, you know, this, this, that's us. But um, I just, I didn't agree with what happened. I think we should have, I think a Solheim Cup is about the best golf should win. And it's not about someone making a mistake like Allison did. You know, she forgot. So... So is that why we should have won? Because she forgot? No. I think we should have won because we played better golf. So even if we had given that half a point, you know, we had such a big lead. I That's my opinion. Yeah. Well said. Mm. Del- delicately put. Thanks. That was pretty clear there. Yes, I think so. <laughs> so you do have a little experience behind the microphone. I remember there was a couple of um, LPGA end of the year parties where you're on the red carpet interviewing players oh, as yeah. they came in. Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to try that and, and how was that experience being the interviewer instead of interviewing? I got asked and yeah. I did it <laughs> probably like three years in a row. Oh, you know, you were dreaming of it. It was a childhood oh, yeah, dream. Yeah, that's right. That's a childhood dream. <laughs> um, I, you know, I enjoy the camera. I enjoy the microphone. Um, I just feel very comfortable behind it. So um, it was it was kind of strange interviewing my fellow pros though yeah but it was all casual you know what are you wearing and <laughs> are you gonna have fun at the party yeah. so it was all casual but um yeah it was a good experience absolutely i mean you, you've dabbled in doing journals for usa today mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and blog posts i mean there seems to be a part of you that wants to be a reporter no no alan <laughs> i don't want to be a reporter it's a, it's a noble profession <laughs> no I, there's nothing with it I just uh, <laughs> the thing is I feel like I'm a pretty decent writer but I I don't I can't see myself doing that like it, like all the time it's okay yeah I'll write in my journal that's about it all right fair enough yeah you no. you, you do the writing okay thank you yeah. right. you're more edgy too that's good right yeah that's good are you sure yeah, yeah you gotta be right and you write otherwise no one wants to read it okay thank you yeah you've just vindicated my entire career yeah I needed that I know you're welcome so speaking of being in front of the camera i mean Mm -hmm. everyone knows you've done a fair bit of modeling and that that's been kind of some some of the backstory to your career (laughs) are you okay being you know objectified in these um these galleries and being voted you know the hottest girl on the the lpga tour and all that stuff um i think it's a compliment you know i think early in my career that's 
Yeah, I signed up with that agency, modeling agency. And so then there was a big focus on that, even though all I wanted to do was play golf, like play good golf and win tournaments. So it kind of just happened. I wasn't really trying to go that route. It just kind of happened. So now it's definitely with me. But um, I, you know, I... I think it's a compliment and that's about it. I wouldn't I wouldn't call it objectified because anyone who knows me knows that I have a lot of interests and um, I'm, I take my golf serious. So, um, yeah. I was just trying to be edgy. I know you are. Okay. <laughs> but has it created any, any awkwardness for you with, with galleries and autograph seekers and people on social media? I mean, I'm sure... <clears throat> Let's be honest, there's some weirdos out there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's always, every tournament, there'll be guys trying to get my autograph on, on lots of pictures. And I feel like some of them just want to sell them. Yeah. But I'll just sign them anyways, because I feel like if they got to make some money, then that's fine. Go make some money, you know? Um, and uh, on social media, no, I've been quite lucky. Yeah, there's always some kind of weird comments so I'll block them um, if they're not appropriate but other than that I've been pretty lucky having really good fans actually they've they've been really supportive and not not creepy or anything oh that's good yeah I'm happy to hear that yeah you know you should just personalize the autographs and they can't sell them so I know I know what's your name yes I just thought about that my last event I'm like hmm, <laughs> should I ask <laughs> and then they have a stack of 10 okay what's your friend's name and your brother's name yes and exactly your, your cousin's yeah. and Vinny what's your yeah. dog's name <laughs> Exactly. Mm. Well, it's very generous of you to help help them support themselves like that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so as as you look at your career, are you are you satisfied? Are you are you motivated? Are you are you disappointed? At, you know, you've been out on tour a long time now, mm -hmm. and you've accomplished a lot. But mm -hmm. um, I know you're an ambitious person. So I, yeah, how, how how what grade would you give yourself so far? Oh, that's hard to put a grade on this. Uh, maybe. It's so hard because a while ago I wasn't, I mean, for the longest time I was not satisfied and I was always thinking, you know, what, I, I know my potential and I know that I haven't reached it by far. And so I was kind of looking back being quite frustrated. Um, but after getting some perspective on it, um, I'm not because I feel like everyone goes a certain road and there's a reason for things to happen and not to happen so I think I learned every step of the way I learned something and I always see the big picture so for me it's not just about the golf but it's a lot about giving back to people you know I started my charity event a couple years ago which was a big dream and now I have it every year and um, so I don't for me it's not about so much about winning and losing although it is in my head of course you want to win tournaments right but yeah. It's about, for me, it's so much about growing. Like, I'm a completely different person than when I first started. And that's, like, money can't pay for that. And so growing is huge. Then the people I've met, the relationships I've made, you know. And it's funny that you say that because I just, I became friends with Marilyn Smith. Um, and so she followed me a lot last week and we had dinner and I asked That's her, awesome. yeah, wait. So I asked her, um, you know, you, you, she won tons of tournaments. I asked her, what's your favorite moment during, you know, a tournament win or shot you hit or something. And she looks at me like I have three heads and then goes, oh, I've never thought about that. I'm like who, how can you not think about <laughs> that? And she goes, you know, it's, it's not the tournaments. So she's way over 80 now. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's not the tournaments. It's all the like friends and relationships I've made and like that perspective from someone who's won tons and who's been so successful that's exactly what I feel like I'm going to be like one day you know of course you want to win and it's great to be in the hall of fame and this and that and it's amazing maybe that's not my spot I don't know maybe I will win another 10 events I don't know I'm still motivated but um the the growing part is just and the you know just being being more kind, giving back, like that's what really motivates me. Marilyn Smith being a LPJ founder and a total character, right? I yes. mean, even at her advanced age, she's like a really fun personality. Yes, she is. So optimistic. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Mm. Tell me more about your charity event. I don't know too much about that. Mm. Yeah, so I partnered last year with Volunteers of America, and we have a charity event in at the Concession Golf Club in Florida, you know, that's where nice. they had the NCAAs. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. 
and um, so I invite uh, like 18 girls from the tour, all my friends and stars and uh, we just play 18 holes of golf and have a dinner and might be some celebrities this year. It's on November 20th. So... Don't be a tease. Who are the celebrities? Yeah, maybe. I don't know yet. <laughs> We're working on it. Yeah. But uh, no, it's it's amazing. So we're helping underprivileged kids mostly. And how, how do you raise the money? Is it a pro-am where people can play? Yeah, it's a yeah. pro-am. Exactly. It's a pro-am. So the people who play with the pros will pay. And then we have sponsors, obviously, and, yeah. and whole signage and all of that. So if people who are interested, don't be shy. How, oh, how, yeah. can, they, how can they sign up? Oh, that's right. Um, well, I think the best the, uh, registration isn't open yet, but um, more info is on my website, you know, sandragal.com, and there's a corner for charity. And um, I think now you can send an email and kind of pre, probably pre-register or something like that, and we'll yeah. send you more info. Or just tweet at me. <laughs> or tweet at Alan. <laughs> <laughs> November 20th. Uh-huh. I've actually, it's funny because I was talking to some people at uh in, my, in the office about we should do some big package on all the charity events you know that time of year between the pga tour and the lpga mm. there's something almost every weekend yeah and a lot of them are they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and pretty cool it's very cool and then jake owen plays in jordan spies then jordan goes and plays yes, in jake exactly and like how, how do you guys work that is it no absolutely of, it is like that um, I mean, how many will you play in in a in a given off season with your colleagues um, it hasn't, you know, during a year, I'll probably play in like three or four. Yeah. Which is which is a decent amount, you yeah. know. Um, and then some of them, uh, yeah, I mean, they're during the season or in the off season, exactly. But it is like that. You know, I, I invited Brooke Henderson and she came. And now her dad just asked me, hey, we're having a charity event. Can you play? I'm like, of course. Yeah. You know, I'd be happy to. Like, that's just, that's so cool that we get to help each other out. Yeah. So your home base is in Florida now? Mm-hmm. People may not know that you are a gator. Yes. It seems like kind of an unusual choice. When I think of when I think of Florida, I think of it's kind of it's a party school and it's that's the rep it has. Massive public. Like I could see you at kind of like a liberal arts. Place, I know, right? You know, a thousand. Except students. they don't have a golf team. <laughs> that's exactly what I would go to if I didn't play golf. <laughs> yeah. So what what was your time like when you were when you were at Florida? Um. Because you grew up in the country, right? I mean, you're a country girl. I'm a country girl, but I was such a nerd. <laughs> no, in a way, sort of. So I, uh, everything was so new and it was so busy. Oh my God, I didn't have any time for anything. It was just golf, school, golf, school, golf, school. But I had a great time. Um, I met, you know, my best friend there. Uh, we roomed together. She's from France. And, uh, and then now she married an American guy. Oh, too downgrade i oh well <laughs> no i mean of course you you guys gravitated towards each other because you're yes. like sophisticated i know how cool students. is that yeah. i know um and then you know we won three national championships while i was there it's pretty incredible but i had no idea how to rank it because you come from europe there's no you know you have no idea about college sports so it's like, oh, all of a sudden the whole school is throwing this huge party. And uh, yeah, it's cool. But then later, you know, you realize, oh my gosh, they haven't done this in years and they haven't again. So it's crazy. What's the most memorable moment of your college career? Or one shot in the NCAAs or one, one, mm. one great, you know, oh, heroic spot? I think the best moment was... Um, we had a the invitational at our at our course, and I won it two years in a row. Um, and I think the second time was just really special because, you know, I obviously it was a really hard course, so the team struggled with it a little bit, and we always we usually win it, but kind of knowing that I could win it and I did it again, kind of repeat, that was really cool. And that's the thing about golf is it's been a long time since you won a tournament. Yes. Is that how does that? It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. I know. I mean, you've you've won at every level, but mm-hmm. you're going on what 5 years. Do you even remember the feeling? Oh, yeah. It's and I I always think about that, uh, especially now we're here at the Kia Classic, right? So memories come up even though it's a different course, but when you're so in the zone, you almost you remember every moment so vividly. It doesn't matter how many years it's back. And I think a lot of players will tell you that too. 
they know exactly how far you you know your shot was what you felt like what you know everything uh so those memories come back um but actually winning yeah that i miss for sure <laughs> i mean and i'm sure in every way you're a better golfer than you were when you won that tournament right absolutely mm -hmm. and so what is that elusive thing that that's been missing that's a good question I think that week, what I did really well is kind of let go of the result, even though it's ironic, right? But it's always golf is such a paradox, isn't it? Yes. The less you care, the better you play. <laughs> and I did so well that week of just totally staying like in my little bubble of hitting the shot that I wanted to, but not, not really caring about where it goes. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. So I did that so well from start to finish. Where I think over the years, I mean, I've had I've had good finishes, um, but there might be like a part of a round where I haven't, or one day, or you know, a few holes, and that's and competition is getting better out here. So, you might, you know, last week, I mean, I shot eighteen under, <laughs> eighteen <laughs> under, and I finished thirteenth. <laughs> yeah, but I still consider that a good week. You know, there's so many young players that just practice tons and they grew up doing nothing else but golf um and i felt like i feel like i'm really lucky that i had a childhood where i did so many different things you know i played theater i did ballet and violin and all kinds of things and golf was one of them and then i end up you know playing on the best tour in the world so it's pretty cool and that gets back to what i was saying in the beginning you're so well-rounded do you ever feel like um geez maybe i should be more like them and just grind harder is that or is that would just be a recipe for being unhappy yeah totally it's just so not me um there comes a point where it's just no no return right like you you don't get the return on your work and uh i think you'll notice especially after this retreat how much more i should take time to for me to um just do things that make me happy instead of practicing more i mean of course i'm a i'm a hard worker but it just just working hard isn't going to get you a victory you know you need to be relaxed you need to be happy there's so much that comes into it and um yeah and me just consciously taking that time i think is making a difference too this year so the daily meditation is obviously part of that yeah i take this week you're in a beautiful place in, in carlsbad california mm -hmm. So will you will you work into your schedule? Okay, I want to walk on the beach. I, I mm -hmm. mean, what are the things? What does it look like for you this week to to get to that place of of you know perfect mental balance? Yeah. So I I took the day off yesterday and I took my dog to the dog beach and we just walked and I laid on the sand and did nothing. <laughs> um, I will probably do a bit of music. Um, probably some singing. I, I enjoy that. Um, what do you mean do a bit of music? Like, do you ha I don't see a keyboard in here or right. a violin. Yeah, so uh, IK Kim has a, has, a, has a guitar or a ukulele. So we're going to meet up and maybe she'll play, I'll sing. I don't know. Um, and then I need to work on maybe um, writing another song. You know, that's always fun. And I just like to go in nature, honestly. Like, that gives me the most energy back. If I just go and just relax, uh, just go kind of ground myself, you know, go out in nature. It's big for me. Okay, we've arrived at the point in our conversation where we need to talk about your new song. Uh-oh. Yes. Um, so the story, I can tell you the story. Do you oh, want to okay, hear the story? Let's start with the story, yes. Okay. And then you can sing for us. Ah! <laughs> the story is, um, when I was in Australia, I um, kind of started talking to Alison Whitaker. Mm -hmm. And she's doing lots of commentating now for Australia and uh, golf. And she is writing lots of songs, which I didn't know. Her and Tiffany Joe, And, you know, I, I was like, how do you even start with coming up with a song? Like, it's not that I just walk down the ferry and all of a sudden a new melody comes to my head or some <laughs> lyrics. Like, it doesn't work like that. She's like, no, no, you just, you know, start with the lyrics and then you kind of work, you know, you work on it. And so I, I did on the flight home. I came up with that. Well, that was easy. I've written poems before, so I I wrote the lyrics. Came out fairly easy. A little bit of rhyming, fine. And then I'm like, so what do I do next? So I just started to come up with a melody and just kind of recorded on my audio on my phone, mm -hmm. uh, voice memo. And so I had a melody of the lyrics, 
And then I sat down at home at my piano, and I don't really play the piano, but I was just trying out different chords to go background to what I came up with. And all of a sudden, there's a song. So I didn't even know I could do it. But that was, that was a really fun and creative process. And the name of the song is? Maybe. Ah. Mm-hmm. All right, just give me, give me a little taste. You don't have to do the whole song. Oh, makes me nervous. <laughs> well, just pretend there's not a giant <laughs> microphone right here. Oh, my gosh. Um, what, do you want to play it off your phone? No, 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 no. The thing is, I need to... So the song is for someone. Mm-hmm. And that person hasn't heard that song yet. Oh. So I can't really share it here before Lucky. that person hasn't heard it. Lucky person. I know. They got a song written about him yeah. or her. Yeah. So Give me a sample lyric, at least. You can just say it. You don't have to <laughs> sing it. So, you know, a little, just a little teaser. <laughs> sample lyric. Let me, let me go. Um, um, you know, it's about, it's about, is this surface or is it real? You know, is this what I want to feel like or not? Um, it's about feeling grateful for that person, um, but just not being sure which way it's going to go. So you're like, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> maybe yes, maybe no. And do you, think, do you think the song will help resolve these age-old these questions? Yeah. yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know what? Actually, it did kind of solve my question. Yeah. So it's called maybe, but I think in my head I'm pretty clear. Um, Is it a yes or a no? It's a no. <laughs> oh, that poor bastard. I know. <laughs> and he yeah. doesn't even know it? No. And now it's on your podcast. And this is terrible. This is terrible. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Mm. This is actual. This is news. This is like a scoop. This is, this is a scoop. Yeah. Except you don't know who it is. Yeah, but he knows who it is. Maybe. Maybe not. Oh, maybe. Wow. I mean, I guess that's a good consolation. You're going to break up with him, but at least he gets his own song. No, I'm not saying I'm, I'm breaking up with someone. <laughs> oh, this is about an endorsement deal? No. Yeah, I mean, come on. No, 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 no. Nobody no. writes a song about, you know, no, no, just that's a for friend. Sure. Right, no, that's for sure. But um, it could also be about, you know, should I go into it or should I not? I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that hard? Like... You meet someone and you feel like they're they're really awesome, but then you're like, maybe we're not supposed to be together. You know, like you want but, to be with them, but then you you don't want to. But how do you know if you don't even? It's a huge dilemma. It's not a dilemma. You gotta try. Do you really try all the time? Yeah, you have to. Really, that's so difficult. You you I'm, can't you can't. Okay, I know you're a planner and you're you're you've yeah. got this great brain, but. These are not things you can decide I know, without you having can't. experienced them. It's a heart. It's a it's thing of the heart, isn't it? Yes. Of I course, know. the problem is then you can get hurt and it can be messy and you can have invested a lot of time and emotion, but otherwise, how yeah. would you know? That's what it is. Love, love is messy sometimes. I mean, that's normal. Yeah. That's life. Yeah. Yep. So there we go. Oh my gosh, we went really deep there. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah. You got it what, out of me. What what other questions do you have? I, I you know I, I can offer advice on your love life. Um, anything you need, I'm here for oh, you. This is going to be like a uh, consultation yeah, podcast. Sure. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Spiritual advice. I mean, it's one stop shopping here. <laughs> advice. So, relationships always fun topic though. Indeed. Yeah. So do you believe in, do you believe in finding the one right person or do you think there's many right people for you? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure everyone has many people they could be happy with and many people who could be the right one, uh-huh. but you just, it's like you're going down a hallway and there's a door and you go through that door and it leads to another hallway and you just, yeah. so. But what about intuition? You know, that's what, that's what we just talked about. You have an intuition about someone. You're like, yeah, kind of, I really want to go that door, but I can feel this is not going to end good. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe that's not intuition. Maybe that's fear. It's fear of being hurt. Fear. Or maybe of, it's just inner wisdom. It could be. Mm. I mean, yeah. If if you've if you've dated people of that, you know that archetype and you kind of know what you might be getting yourself into. But even so, everyone, everyone is so different. We're all precious snowflakes and we're all unique. So that's true. But there's patterns too. Yes. Yes. We all have those. Yeah. Sometimes you got to break the pattern. All right. So what have your patterns been? Oh, we're going to go there. <laughs> I mean, why not? Oh my goodness. Um, my pattern. Um, uh, I just haven't, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I really have a pattern like on the type of person. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty open minded. Um, but uh, I think I haven't been in a relationship for a long time. You know, how many long? years? Like, I haven't been past eight months. That's not very long. It's not very long. But it's also, I mean, I kind of think that I know very quickly that if the person is right for me or not so I don't drag a relationship out because, that's good but because I have a really strong feeling like this is not working yeah except the only problem with that is the first like three months you're dating or the first six months it's not even the real person it's kind of this it's this facade and it's this act yeah, you're putting on very true, yeah. I mean no one's really themselves until after you get past a certain point yes yeah I agree so, Maybe all these all these people you've discarded, you never even got to know properly. That's that's a possibility, um, but I think I I think I did uh, at at the end of it, you know. Yeah. Um, and what I think is, I might have gotten into some of the relationships too quickly, so I I uh, I could have gotten to know a person better before I committed, and then I would have maybe made you know. I'm not, I'm not regretting anything. I had, no, you, you know, you shouldn't, I, I'm not regretting, but, um, I think you need to get to know someone before you really commit. So give it just time and go on dates. It's hard with your lifestyle though. I mean, you're never in the same yeah. city twice, you know, all yeah. year long. So, mm-hmm. I mean, to like slowly nurture a relationship. Then again, maybe, maybe it leads to that a lot of long distance. That's you know, tour life for you though. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have a very patient person. Yeah. <laughs> or someone who can travel. Yeah. So the guy you wrote the song about? Yeah. How long How long were you together or not? Uh, yeah, we've never been together. You've just been nibbling around? We're just getting to know each other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just picturing this guy in his apartment listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. And he's like, is she talking about me? <laughs> Or there's some other guy in some other city. So you, what is the answer to your own question? Do you think there's only one perfect person for you? Or no, you, absolutely no. not. No. I think there's, like you said, I think there's many people who you, who you uh, fit with. But I think there's also some sort of like uh, maybe like karma or something that you're meant to meet some people and you're meant to be with some. And I don't know if they last a lifetime either. I mean, you would always hope so, right? But maybe they don't. Maybe I wouldn't, I wouldn't say hope so. I think a, a lot of relationships you have, it's because you needed to learn something specific from that person. Yeah. But it wasn't meant to be forever. Yeah. And if you could take what you're supposed to take, then it's it's not a failed relationship. Or give. It, or give. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, or it goes, giving, right? It happens simultaneously. But, um, but I think, you know, back then, people would get married and then never get divorced. And then you learn so much about yourself too because you can't get out. So then you you learn to be so tolerant, and so like is it is it tolerance or is it just um, they've just given up? You think <laughs> it's just defeat. I don't know. I think there's something too, you know, sticking by a person, being loyal no matter what. Because I think I think every relationship at the end of the day, it's like a mirror to yourself. You will like come to your problems, and you'll just have to look at yourself. I agree with that. You know. But first, you got to find someone who's compatible. And like, of course, they got to have lots of things that, that work well with you. But then you're still going to have issues. You're still going to run into things that you got to look at yourself and figure it out. Well, and it is such a disposable culture now. Well, that's the problem. So it's like, okay, that was fun. It didn't really work out. On to the next. Yeah. There, there isn't that determination to try and work through things. Yeah. And exactly. 
And then, you know, if you're gonna break up with someone after 20 years, you think you're gonna find someone better? Like, it's not, you're gonna run into the same things again. So, I don't know. I mean, so, g given your lifestyle, how do you meet people? Oh, everywhere. I meet a lot of people. I mean, that's not the problem, I think. <laughs> I think I meet a lot of people and lots of great people, interesting people. It's just about, um, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm picky. I don't know. Some people say it's good. Some people say it's not good. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? Um, I think it's good um, because you you only kind of attract what you put out there, right? Like if you if you have a standard for someone you want to be with, then then you should stick to it. It's easy being with you know someone that I mean it's not easy, but you can just get into a relationship with someone that doesn't is not compatible, and then you run into trouble. So you should have a high standard. It's hard to find uh, guys who are as in touch with themselves, perhaps, as you are with yourself. Yes. Yes. I mean, I live in Northern California. I, I know... You're like, open-minded and liberal. <laughs> indeed. But also, you know, I know at these, at these retreats and mm -hmm. um, if you go down to Esalen or any places like that, it's like 90% female. It just seems like... I know. It's true. It's like women are much more interested in doing that that work mm, and that mm. that inner journey yeah so. plus i mean i'm all in I'm, I'm into all of that but yet i still have my other foot right there in like the reality that most you know that's the normal reality so i'll go to program parties and i go i have no problem going to just living in what you could call a normal life but yet i still see the other side of it so it's not like sometimes i dream about being a hippie and uh you know living somewhere on a little island and having a meditation studio or retreat. That'd be cool. But I think I still need the life of, you know, flying around the world and um, meeting all these great people and playing golf. And it's, it's amazing. So I have like a bit of everything. This goes back to the first thing I said an hour ago on this podcast. The Was most, it an hour ago? Or what, I mean, pretty much. Oh my God. Only 51 minutes. I can't believe you got me to say all the things that I did just because you, I don't know. Yeah, it's just a podcast, that's why. Just a podcast? No, like a podcast where I don't realize there's going to be lots of people listening and I just say stuff. <laughs> this might be the most most meaningful thing you ever do in your career. The, the lives you're touching here, Sandra. Yes. Oh, good. All right, well, I will reiterate my, my original thesis. Okay the most versatile, well-rounded person in professional golf, Sandra Gal. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's a great pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> well, there you have it. It's just a podcast, and now it's over. This is Alan Shipnuck of The Knockdown, signing off from Sandra Gal's hotel room. Farewell. <laughs>